0: Hey there, and welcome to Unabashed You. We are here to encourage you to become who you already are. Through inspiring conversations with extraordinary, everyday people like you and me, we have courage to show up in our own lives believing in ourselves more, unapologetic for who we are.:
1: Feeling generous, consider leaving review, subscribing and/or sharing episodes. It matters. That algorithm is a real thing, and we do this with support from you. Find us at unabashedu.com for episodes, blogs, social media links, and to be on our email list. When in doubt, type in unabashedu to find us. And now for the woman who can't wait to know just a little bit more about you, Rochelle Condi. Now.
0: To the women listening, there are so many fears we can be struggling with as women thinking we're not good enough, feeling less than, plagued by self-doubt, and not knowing how to step forward with courage. Consider UI coaching to learn the strategies to take your life into the next chapter with confidence. Reach out through our website and become more of who you already are. Now, on with the show. I had the pleasure to be on Michelle Fulan's Asking for a Friend podcast, and I wanted to share it with our listeners here. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to the show, everyone. It's not just any show, though. It's our one-year anniversary at Asking for a Friend. I thought it would be really fun to have my friend and fellow podcaster join us today. Yay. Rochelle Condenao is not just a podcaster, though. She is a mom, she's a blogger, and a coach. She wants to help other midlife women to stop waiting for good things to happen and hop in the driver's seat to find their passion and their purpose. Welcome, Rochelle. Oh, I
0: like that introduction because that really speaks to me, that idea of taking a little more charge of our lives as opposed to letting things happen. I mean, some external circumstantial things are truly beyond our control, but I do think we have a lot more in our control than sometimes we realize or recognize. And if we step into that more, even just step by step, I think there is fulfillment and joy and challenge, good challenge, waiting for us if we will just do the thing, whatever that is.
1: I sit here and I giggle because, well, I was on Rochelle's podcast. Yes. We've kept in touch since then. And I think because we have very similar core values and we also Mm -hmm. just had an immediate connection. Yes. Started to think about, Hmm, what do we do in midlife that will light us up? Yes. And we both started podcasts knowing absolutely nothing. Yes. About what we were doing.
0: <laughs> yes, that's the whole point. Get in the driver's seat and figure out what the passion is, what the thing that you want to try is, and go ahead and give it a try. Yeah. I mean, honestly, what's the worst case scenario? Okay, it doesn't go exactly <laughs> like you wanted it to. Great. You have more. That you just learned, having had that experience, and now you can pivot and continue on your merry way. I mean, it's better, I think, to have tried than not to have tried. I think there's more regret in not trying than there is in trying and maybe not having, oh, I was hoping I was going to hit that out of the park. That's okay. You didn't. But what did you learn from that? And how can you take that and move forward? I'm a big advocate of that.
1: I am too. I think those are wise words. Well, I'm going to back up here because besides introducing you, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I want you to tell your story because I believe, and I know now after doing this podcast, Mm -hmm. I may have an expert on the show and then just talking to them, I'm like, wow, you've got a really cool story to tell. There's the expertise part and then there is the story. I'd love for you to tell the audience where you're from and your family stuff. Sure. And it's
0: interesting how all those things collide. And, and I use that word intentionally because sometimes who you are really can collide with who you want to be or the choices you make or the experiences you have. Let's try to give the nutshell version. Honestly, we could all write a book on our lives. I mean, it's just we could. And I know a lot of people say, well, I don't really have a story. I don't really have a story. Yes, you do. Not only do you have a story. You have chapters to your story. The overarching theme would be I born and raised in San Diego, had a wonderful growing up time, but my mom was a single mom to work very hard to get my brother and I through school and, and all of that. Went to college here locally, USD, University of San Diego, and had some interesting experiences along the way. Met and married Ron. We have a blended family. Our friend worlds overlap just a little bit. So occasionally I would see him at functions or he would see me and it was not ever anything. But, oh, yeah, there's Ron. Nothing like that at all. He went on to marry and have three kids. We ended up blending our families. Gosh, it's been 27 years since we got married.
1: You knew Ron earlier in your life. yes. Yes. Did you marry someone else? I was a single mom
0: myself. Okay. Yes, I was a single mom myself, so it's interesting how that history repeated, but it's also interesting when Ron and I look back and we realize the different times we were around each other, how I we, you know, of course feel that God was through our choices was taking that and finally getting us to end up being together true funny story. I was getting out of a very bad relationship and I saw Ron's truck drive down the street I hadn't seen him or thought about him in the longest time. And I was like, oh, there's that Ron. He's such a good guy. I'm ready to meet somebody like that. Just a good husband. I had observed this, Mm -hmm. that he'd been a very good husband, good father, very hands-on. And I remember telling my therapist, oh, I saw this guy. And he's my avatar. We didn't have really that word then. But he's like what I'm looking for. Of course, wouldn't you know that we had our mutual friend a short time later when I told her, well, that situation, I'm not in that situation. I feel really good. I'm so happy to be on my own. And she said, do you mind if I tell Ron? I said, well, no, I don't mind. So anyway, Ron and I ended up connecting, which is just... Unbelievable. Just seeing how many ways our past kept crossing over each other. Yeah. It's just absolutely extraordinary. When we married, he had his three original kids. I had my son. And then we had our son together, Christian John, who we found out when I was pregnant that he had a lethal heart defect. So we were told he was really not going to live much past birth, as what we were told originally. The eleventh hour, a doctor wanted to do this surgery on him, they did the surgery on him. He lived for three months. So we feel like we had the gift of three months when we didn't think we were gonna have the gift of anything other than the pregnancy itself. Ah oh, gosh. After that, obviously, that's a devastating thing, something you would never sign up for, nor would you wish it on anybody you loved or cared about. And yet, we go through these things anyway, whether we've signed up for them. Well, we don't sign up for them. That's the whole point. But do you make the best out of that? And that's one of my zones of expertise, I would say, is gifts after loss. Ron and I have intentionally celebrated that time I'm not going to tell you it wasn't hard and that I will can never see the movie Titanic again oh god that song (laughs) just sends me to the oh because that when I was grieving the loss that song was so popular and so there are certain things that just come together you know different songs remind you of different times there are a few songs during that time frame But for me, and I know for Ron also, we consider it, we're glad we went through that experience. It was an honor to go through that experience, even though I would not sign up for it, even though it was the most painful thing I've ever been through. I have looked for and cultivated my life since that time to look and find the gifts that came after loss, like really watching the hand of God and seeing Oh my gosh, that ha- I'll give you one example. See, you just asked me one question and we're already off to the races.
1: <laughs> I knew you'd be on a roll. <laughs> you make my house so easy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. So we had lived in our house and we've got four kids. We've had this child. He's passed on. And we didn't really know our neighbors yet that well. One of our neighbors who had a lot of kids around our kids age left a condolence card and in the card, They put some tickets to a children's show, like kids putting on a show type thing. And it was like, gosh, that's a positive, happy thing. Let's take the kids to that. So we did. And one of our kids turned to us when it was over and said, I want to do that. Like, oh, okay. He's the one I brought to the marriage. Sean decided he wanted to be a performer. And that greatly impacted the person he is today his character, his friends. We talk about that as a family, the gifts that came from our time with Christian. Okay, so continuing on with the first question was telling my story. Ron and I both wanted to have a child together that we raised together. You know, he had some challenges in his first marriage, and I had raised Sean by myself. We wanted to have that shared experience. Well, after Christian died, I was unable to have more kids. We ended up adopting. We adopted, and that's its whole other story and could be a whole other episode about the gifts that came from that. The amazing moments. But we have our daughter, Taylor. And so she's our youngest. She completes our family. She is 22. And it's so interesting because I honestly forget that I didn't actually birth her.
1: Yeah. How old was she when you adopted her?
0: She was a baby. So we got her at seven weeks old.
1: Oh, wow.
0: We met her at six weeks old, and she came into our home at seven weeks old. So, yeah, we really got her right away, pretty much, and we got to raise her, and she's our girl. She just is. Yeah. What's so interesting about all these kids that in many ways are not related to one another, except by marriages, we all look like we belong together. I mean, in yeah. the family picture, it looks like... Yeah, everybody. Not that that (laughs) matters. It doesn't matter. I just find it as an observation, just kind of amusing and kind of fun. That is my story. Although, okay, so to continue on in terms of my career, I was a Catholic school, fifth grade teacher for 10 years. And then I was a program director in children's theater for 15 years, which is where I hired and mentored and created a program from that experience Yes, it goes right
1: back. Yes, it does.
0: To the tickets. It goes right back to that. That ended up being just a wonderful experience in just so many ways. I loved it. And that's a part of where I developed my love of mentoring. I know we're going to get to that at some point if we actually get to all the questions because... As you can tell, I have no problem really giving a good, you know, thorough, long answer.
1: Well, that's why you're good at doing your podcast, because you've got the gift for Gab. What I was saying before was everybody's got a really unique story that really defines who they are today. So I love that. So thank you for that. When did you decide to start a podcast?
0: That's a good question. Okay, so at some point, and I'd have to go back and do a little Google search here, I started listening to what I would consider some of the first podcasts, and that would be Alec Baldwin's Here's the Thing. I was a loyal listener. I listened to everyone, and I just thought, this podcast thing, it's so different and so interesting. You just have somebody on, and you talk, and it's a conversation, and and you learn things, and then you're entertained, and you're delighted. It kind of took a while to gain momentum, the whole podcast industry. And then as I was wrapping up my time in children's theater, I was nearing 60. For me, it felt strongly that, okay, I had my first act, zero to 30. I had my second act, 30 to 60. Now I'm in my third act. and What do I want to do in my third act that I haven't already done or attempted? And I'm a creative person. I like to collaborate and I like to learn things. And then I like connecting. I already had the idea, oh, maybe I could do a podcast. I don't know. And then, that, you know, the self-talk of who am I to want to do a podcast? Come on. I mean, you know, there's that whole thing. And I thought I was a huge consummate what if I was. I'm much less now. What if it doesn't do well? What if, what if, what if? I thought, well, really, what's the worst case scenario? Well, my mom listens. I know she'll listen. Maybe a couple friends will listen. Okay. <laughs> All right. So it doesn't matter then. That part doesn't matter. But I'm going to do it anyway, because going back to what I said initially, which was that idea of remaining tight. I think of it like the NIS Neen quote that really just changed There's so many little things that I feel changed my life. Then the day came when the risk to remain tied in the bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Yeah. I have goosebumps now telling you that. That was the idea. Okay, I cannot try this thing and wonder, I wonder if I'd ever tried that, what that might have been like. But I'd rather try.
1: Yeah. I love that saying, and I said something to that effect in my very, very first episode and when I was talking about the tenets of the podcast and why I was doing this. Mm. It was something like, staying stuck because you fear change
0: Mm. could
1: be the scariest proposition of all. Mm -hmm. It's letting that fear and doubt and the what-if keep you from doing what could ultimately really make you happy.
0: I think of it in terms of our fears. You know, we have a lot of self-talk, a lot of things that go, that could be a whole other episode, just breaking all those down. (laughs) But I find that there's two, there's all kinds of fear. But if there's a fear, like doing a podcast and I'm real scared, but I'm also real excited by the prospect, then it's Go. If it's fear and it's only fear, like go swim with sharks, then it's a no. (laughs) It's a hard no. Yeah. Jumping out of a plane. If there's no element of excitement involved, then it's like, okay, I don't need to do that. I don't have to go swim with sharks. I am scared. I'm nervous. I don't even know how to do it. I'm excited. And so I'm going to do it anyway. That's kind of like how I test it.
1: What you're doing is you're defining the difference between courage and confidence. Yes. Because you have the courage to try something new. You have the courage to start a podcast or make a life pivot. You may not have the confidence yet because the confidence comes with success and figuring it all out. But it's the courage that gets you to at least try it.
0: Well, with the courage, I say, do it scared. When you think about athletes or performers or all these, there's all kinds of areas or maybe doctors before really intricate surgery. It's not like they just waltz in and they're strictly confident. They're fearful for the possible outcomes. How am I going to do it? Can I perform? Will it go well? All those things, but they do it anyway. And that's do it scared when you dial back the confidence, confidence is believing in oneself. If I believe in myself, and then I layer it with the courage, like, oh, I'm going to do it scared. And then I'm going to build more confidence also. Because for me, the opposite of fear is confidence, which is interesting. For me, it's like a scale. The less I listen to the fear, and I work with it, the more confidence I feel. And so I'm tipping the scales in a very good way. If you meet somebody or know somebody that really has let the fear get the best of them and they're, they're way up high with the fear, you'll note immediately their confidence level is really, really low. They're afraid to have courage and to try a thing.
1: Well, and you're striking out again with your courage because you're starting to do some coaching.
0: I am, I am. It's so funny. I Not in a half funny way, but I was describing this to Ron. I was like, I am bursting at the seam. I mean, <laughs> was just, I have all this in me. I, I want to get it out. And I do in small ways in the podcast. And I certainly wouldn't not do that because I get so much fulfillment from that connecting one-on-one with somebody. And the blogging is something that goes along with the podcast, thoughts I have, about something they said or something I thought. But then now the coaching, here's the thing. There are a gazillion coaches. Oh, yeah. Instantly, you've got, oh, I don't think I can do that because everyone else is already doing that. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yes, you've got that fear, but let's go ahead. And you're not for everyone. You only need to reach the people that will benefit from working with you. Not everyone, but those people. You have to step out of the comfort zone and get to that place of, I've really been in that place with coaching right now. I've done coaching. I would just call it informally through workshops I've done for a long time through like women's events, that sort of thing. But now I want to take some of that and get it a little bit more intentional, a little bit more structured and reach out and say, Hey, I think there's even more that I have to share. And I want to work with women who want more. I just was speaking to somebody yesterday and she said, yeah, I hit my 50s. I was very satisfied with where my life was, but I thought there might be more. And I was like, yes, that's the kind of woman that I am appealing to because I'm her. Yeah. (laughs) I'm her. There isn't any part of that that I can't relate to
1: right. You talked about your loss and how with the loss of Christian, you mm-hmm. are able to now see what the gifts were. You mentioned that was part of your coaching platform. Yes. Then you said you've got two other arms of that.
0: Yeah, it's funny. When I look back at the different workshops that I've done through the years and the themes that keep coming up, I feel like there are three different areas that really even make up unabashed you sort of the whole brand and the podcast and everything. And one is comes under exactly what we're talking about confidence and courage. You know, do you know who you are? Cause a lot of people don't even know who they are introverted, extroverted. What's that? Enneagram. What's that? Not that you have to use those tools. You don't, but do you know yourself? If I don't even know my own bucket, How can I get out and share and be as effectively? I need to be there. So part of the courage and confidence is knowing who you are, doing it scared, taking little steps and making things actionable and doable and then accountable. I mean, women who work with me, I'm going to hold them accountable, but it's not going to be like scary or like... (laughs) Or anything like that. Just like, okay, the goals you set for yourself, how'd you do with those? I think we do better when we have somebody else. to I think of it as sharing, not answer to. I'm not any different than anyone else. It's There's no hierarchy here. It's how are you doing on your goals? Were you able to reach that this week? Okay, I totally get it. Well, why do you think you didn't reach that? And so let's move from there so that Confidence bucket is courage and being you and all of that. And passion bucket is the passion. What are the gifts you've been given? What lights you up? What is it you want to do that you're not already doing? And it doesn't have to be what you earn money at because some of us, our passion is the thing we do when we're not working. A passion can be in a different place in your life, but do you know what excites you? Do you know what lights you up? Do you know what you want to do? With the gifts you've been given, do you know? Purpose is a big part of the passion bucket. Why are you here and what are you doing about it? Those are the two buckets. Let me clarify the third bucket. The third bucket (laughs) would then be gratitude. Oh, yeah. And for me, that's the gifts after loss or cultivating that attitude of gratitude. And gratitude's all over the place. I'm more specifically looking at it in terms of, After loss, finding things that are hard to find, because I hope we're all cultivating gratitude in our lives, being thankful for the small things, the little things, the big things. And this is taking it after a hard thing. Can you turn around and see that God made good out of that? Because guess what? He doesn't waste anything. There you are. Okay. What's next?
1: (laughs) No, I like that. I really like that. Here's the thing. And this is why I advocate coaching. Because of the accountability piece, the fact that you verbalized something that you want to do or that you're passionate about, by verbalizing it to someone else, it's like I said, it's like throwing it up over the fence and you can't go get it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh,
0: that's good.
1: You can't retrieve it. You can't take it back. Mm -hmm. I think we all need someone to hold us accountable because... Otherwise, you'll wait and you'll wait. You'll wait till it's perfect or, mm. oh, it's not a good time. I've got this going on. Well, guess what? It's never a good time.
0: <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and it's never going to be perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm with you all the way on that. I just listened to somebody recently who said, just do it at a B minus. Stop waiting for it to be an A plus. Just B minus go. Yeah, I was like, whoa, speaking from a former perfectionist, recovering perfectionist who always wanted to get the A, that was a good a good tip.
1: <laughs> you mentioned your blog before, and I love your blog. Oh, thank you. You put a blog out, I think it was today, about anxiety.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And I thought it was very poignant and very heartfelt, and I'm was hoping you might be able to share a little bit about that.
0: Happy to help with that. Come to find out in my early adult years that anxiety is can be very genetic and it can also run in families. I didn't know it at the time, but sure enough, whoa, my mom. Oh, my aunt. Oh, my grandpa. I mean, it was, oh, my cousin. I mean, it does run in families. And I will say that I suffered for some years being very afraid to speak up about it because I didn't know it had a name and I was quite convinced no one else in the entire world had ever felt what I was feeling. It's beyond just sort of being a little bit afraid. It can take you all the way to what we call a panic attack. And if you've ever had one of those, you know that all kinds of things happen to you physically you're just not sure am i having a heart attack am i dying i mean until you understand what it is once you understand what it is then there's all this education and things that can go with that i advocate obviously talking therapy any kind of therapeutic activities i mean i remember my therapist used to assign me homework and it's interesting too for me very profoundly at three different times in my life and come to find out in hindsight, these were very key, pivotal times in my life where major life changes were going on. And I did not associate that at the time. I was like, oh no, it's back. Why is it back? I mean, not realizing, well, because you're at a major crossroads right now. That's why it's back. And you need to deal with things. I'm also an advocate of medication if it works for you. Not everybody needs medication, but some people do. For example, myself, genetic predisposition to not have enough serotonin. I did it for a lot of years without it. I went on it for about 10, 15 years, and I said to the doc, Hey, I don't think I need this anymore. Let's try to taper off and go off. Nope. Bad idea. Nope, 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 (laughs) nope, nope. I knew what was happening. And when we, yes, we did taper, we did it responsibly, but I realized, okay, would we tell a diabetic, no, you can't have insulin to stop eating sugar or whatever it is. No, if you need it, take it. I don't want there to be shame around that. That is not okay in my book because there are certain medications that help for certain conditions and you cannot judge or second-guess someone else's experience and throw that shame thing on them. I'm not ashamed, and I'm here on your podcast saying, I take my uh, SSRI daily, just a part of it, and that's yeah. I I feel no apologies for that. It works for me.
1: And you shouldn't. And I shouldn't. And I think it was interesting, too. You mentioned that you went to your mom when you were, like, 21, and you were like, Hmm. I can't deal with this on my own. I need some help. When I was reading that, I thought, you and I both grew up in the era of suck it up, buttercup, yeah. <laughs> get over it, this will pass. But your mom took you seriously.
0: She did because then she knew, oh, oh I've been through this too and I get it. Because mm-hmm. if you don't treat anxiety and you don't learn what your triggers are and you don't do the work, in my case, I was getting very close to being housebound. And I was a a young person. I was 21. I was in college. I mean, it was not, that was not the life I wanted for myself. I am very grateful to have had therapy and the everything that was needed. That It just made such a huge difference. I mean, and I would say one of the hugest things for people with anxiety is the have-to element. The have-to. No, I, I have to. I have to. And he would say, well, why? Why? What happens if you don't? Okay. And then what? And then what? I mean, he talked me through it. And I'd be like, you know what? You're right. I can start taking a final and decide, no, I'm leaving. And I leave. For an, an anxious person, you need to know you have an exit. That's the hugest, hugest thing. And in fact, <laughs> this is, brings it full circle. The first <laughs> huge trip Ron and I ever took, like get on a plane, you're stuck on the plane for 13 hours And as the plane was taking off, I had that moment of, oh my gosh, I'm on this plane and I can't get, I couldn't see an exit sign, but I, I talked myself down and I said, you know what? I can get to the other end and I can turn to Ron. Thank the Lord. He is so understanding and just say, oh, we got to go home. And he'd say, okay, are you sure? Okay, let's go. And that, just knowing I could do that, that see, that's the trick with anxiety. Knowing you can do that, that you have an exit sign, it blew the whole thing up in a good way. And it was like, oh, I feel so relaxed. Okay, what movie are we going to watch? You know, it just <laughs> it just changed everything. And I would wish that for people who deal with anxiety, that they would have some of these tips and tricks and all that.
1: Yeah, and that's why we get coaching and therapy. Absolutely. You don't have to go this alone. Oh, my gosh, yes. I
0: was so surprised when I learned, oh, this has a name, and other people have felt like this. I mean, it was really extremely eye-opening.
1: Oh, yeah. It amazes me because I think if someone with anxiety doesn't typically start a podcast, but you did.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm recovered, I don't think anything is ever ED or completely done when it comes to those sorts of things. I'd love to be in the ING of places, which means now and in process and growing and working and all those things. It doesn't hit me like it used to. And I, as you know, in the blog, I said, I didn't want to travel for years because I was Concerned that I would I'd have panic attacks when I was uh, out and about. Well, what if I get sick? What if I break an arm? I mean, yeah. Now we travel, and you know, something happens, and we deal with it at the time. I don't borrow the trouble. I don't borrow it. I just, well, if it comes to that, we'll we'll deal with it.
1: I do want to talk a little bit about your podcast because I think you have kind of a cool platform. It's called Unabashed You. Yep. Like I said, I have been a guest. Hmm. How do you choose your guests and your topics? Well,
0: that's a really good question. And the truth is, I feel like in a way they choose me, meaning I originally asked people, obviously, I knew in my real life, friends, family, that sort of thing, who I felt like one would be comfortable because let's face it, there are people in your life, you know, my husband, my mother, nope. They are, I'm just not even going to ask because I know that's just not one of those, oh, I'm excited about it, but I'm also scared about it for them. They, hard stop, no. So no, I'm not going to ask them. It started that way. And then I decided to do what I called Insta Summer, where I invited people I didn't know from Instagram that I'd connected with. And that was so successful in the sense that when I first started, I would have a pre-talk, what do you want to talk about? This is what we're going to talk about, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not knocking those people who do that. But then once I did Instagram, it's like, I we're talking time differences, Australia, Belgium, yeah, literally all over the world. I'm like, no, that's not feasible. I can't get them on two calls. It was like a step of faith. Okay, let's go. I'm going to ask you these questions. And I... Go ahead and I give our classic questions to the guests so they know. I'm going to ask you. These are the ones I ask everybody. These are the questions so you can think about a little bit, feel comfortable. And then the next part is your passion. What's your passion? I mean, today it might be golf. Tomorrow it might be feeding the homeless. I don't know. But let's just talk about it and have a conversation. It's kind of loose. I don't look for particular topics. They just come up. If that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, it does. Besides me, have you had a favorite guest? <laughs> oh yeah, you're definitely a favorite. <laughs> you
0: know what's so interesting is that I would say 99.99% of the guests I have on, I afterwards, I feel so excited and so fulfilled. I will call it expanded because there's this, When you're in that joy place, there's something physically that feels different than when you're not in it. And I just, like, I feel like I could do something that was like climb a mountain, not that I would do that, or whatever. I just, I feel energized and I feel really, like, I've made this really cool connection with somebody else. No, I don't have a favorite. And then I ask people on again because, in my opinion, we're never going to run out of things to talk about. Like, well, what's happening with you now? Last time we talked to you, this. So where are you? Where are you at now? And let's just talk. Yeah. For me, it's a conversation. Let's start talking. What are you about? What? would There's no age range. There's no geographical. Uh, there are no restrictions. Just that you. Feel comfortable enough to give it a try. I mean, I've had a few people who've said, oh, I've never been on one. I'm kind of nervous. That's great. I get it. But are you excited too? Because if you are, let's go.
1: That's fun too, because I sometimes we have people on our podcast that have podcasts of their own or they, they're doing the circuit. I have book authors or that sort of thing that are pretty adept at talking about their book and themselves and all of that. But every once in a while, you do get that one person that hasn't done this yet. And it's really fun to walk them through it and to give them that little push and that, hey, you can do this. Yeah, Everybody's got a first time. Right. We're just talking. Yeah. But I mean, like
0: you, I mean, I was afraid that first one. And I talked a lot about blooming. That quote that we talked about earlier was like, risk it. Bloom, that was the (laughs) name of the very first episode, because I was like, yeah, I'm taking the risk. I'm just so pleased because I find other people inspiring. Hearing from them and hearing what they're about and what they're doing is inspiring to me. Yeah. Even if they've gone through something hard, you end up feeling positive. And so those two elements, the inspiration element and the being positive element, are like a through line, all the episodes. People have dealt with loss or health issues or what have you. I mean, we've had a lot of stuff on. And they are finding a way to pivot, to turn, to find the gifts, to do the thing. Do the thing.
1: I have a show coming out April 10th. It'll be before the show, obviously. The guest had some horrific hurdles in life Mm. as we're going through it I'm like gosh do I edit some of this out because it was really heavy stuff and she says during the podcast hang in there with me I know this is a lot but there is good that comes just hang in there and right I made the decision after I listened to it yesterday on the plane on my way home I decided I'm not editing anything out
0: good for you good for you
1: I'm leaving it all in there, and and because I think it keeps the integrity of really what she went through. I think the other side of this too is, and what I think the beauty of doing this podcast is that I get to meet people like you.
0: Oh, and I get to meet people like you. I know I, and and we struck up a quick, fast friendship. We sure did, yeah. I love checking in with you and you check in with me, and how do you do this and how do you do that? It's so fun.
1: Rochelle's my accountability partner, I think, because I've thrown some things out there to her, and I feel like oh, she's going to
0: want an update.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I am
0: going to want an update.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. Rochelle, I would like to start wrapping stuff up. Sure. I would love first for you to tell the audience. Where to find you?
0: It's just pretty simple. Unabashed or unabashed you is how you're going to get everywhere. com is the website, and that has all of the episodes and embedded audio for each conversation. The blog's right on the page, the picture of the guest, all that fun stuff right there. If you prefer to get your podcast on Apple, Spotify, Audible, Look for the show Unabashed or Unabashed You. Spelling is the same. U-N-A-B-A-S-H-E-D. And then Gmail unabashed you at gmail.com. Instagram unabashed you. Facebook unabashed you. <laughs> it's pretty. It's, you just can't go wrong with unabashed you. You
1: lucked out with that name, sister, because you own it.
0: I did. I feel, yeah, it is easy. That was really the emphasis for me was I want it to be about you. You. You be unapologetic. You be who you are. You do the thing you are doing. I mean, that's it for me.
1: You've achieved that. I love your show. I love listening to it. Thank you. I recommend our listeners to check out Rochelle's podcast, Unabashed You. All her information will also be in the show notes. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for being here.
0: What a pleasure. What a pleasure. It's just been an absolute joy to connect with you. I thoroughly have enjoyed it.
1: Lots of fun.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Being an introvert, I find it fascinating that I can be a talker when we hit on a subject I'm passionate about. Actually, it's more than a subject. It's a reality, a way of thinking of things, a way of life. That's one of the things I like about being a woman who is eager to help other women, along with the men in my life too. Face your fear. Find courage to embrace confidence. Do it scared if you need to. Find people who lift you up and do the same for them. And now a closing prayer. today. Take me where you want me to go. Have me meet who you want me to meet. Tell me what you want me to say and keep me out of your way. Amen. And once again, that's one of our favorites here by Father Michael Judge, the first victim taken out of 9-11. So I love that his legacy lives on in this sweet, simple prayer that he would pass out to others and share with others. Go on out today and say yes to a friend. You will be helping them out and you will feel good, I promise.